1: It's another Wednesday night, and we're back to close the night down with you. I'm Justin Lavar. He's Alfred Cunnawell. This is Wrestling Inc. all across the platforms, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you like to have your entertainment, we're right here with you. Alfred, how you feeling tonight?
0: Feeling great. Uh, you know, fun night of wrestling, and uh, we're back reunited on a Wednesday, so I'm feeling great.
1: Yeah, it's a fun time. This is a go home show of AEW Dynamite tonight as they're on their way Saturday to Full Gear in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So a lot to digest tonight as they uh, get their final final calls for stories and final final uh, you know pitches for you to go ahead and spend the the fifty bucks on whatever it is uh, depending on which platform um, you want to watch it. So a lot to really go through tonight with aew dynamite uh, of course tonight's podcast presented as they all are on wednesdays for the remainder of 2021 by our wonderful friends at manscape we'll talk about them in a little bit new product alert i gotta let you know it's coming Ooh. from manscape yes that's a little something to, to tease to you uh but also let's take a look at some news items offered as wrestling is always on top of the ball when it comes to that let's start with NXT Tuesday's live NXT uh, on this past Tuesday, yesterday, uh, of course, NXT 2.0. Let's not get confused. It drew 603,000 viewers according to Show Buzz Daily. That's down 4% from last week's 631,000. So, uh, Alfred, it seems like ever since Halloween Havoc, they just continue to now the dip and slide just a little bit lower each week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It looks like these television specials are going to be the key to kind of sustaining their viewership. And they're going to have war games, but that's not going to be a television special. It'll be more of a pay-per-view. So I'm very curious to see if any type of bounce comes out of that with what happens after war games that Sunday, the following Tuesday, are they going to be able to get momentum in terms of a war game bounce? Hopefully they will. But uh, I think moving forward, the strategy should be to put a lot of these big-time shows on TV uh, if they can help it, because that seems to be how they can build a viewership.
1: Yeah, I'll be real curious. Uh, you know, it's only, it's, it's not, not been, <clears throat> relatively speaking, a, a lot of time since this 2.0 has launched. Uh, I'll be really curious to, you know, when we get a, when we do a few more investor meetings when, um, you know, the great wrestling journalists and medias, uh, Wrestling Inc. being one of them, Raj Giri, your owner, you know, when they start doing some more digging, how USA is really feeling. You know, I mean, it, it's still a live NXT, which is what they want. It's unopposed on a Tuesday night um it, it's supposed to be more mass appealing not the more indie shtick that the previous iteration of nxt was but you know these numbers kind of sliding uh tr- trying to load it up with with tv specials as you just mentioned i'll be really curious you know once we get around like WrestleMania season if there's not a, if there's not a significant boost uh which why would there be because nxt is not technically even part of wrestlemania like what usa is thinking and feeling uh about this new hash to try to you know Save NXT for lack of a better phrase.
0: Yeah, it's like two completely different philosophies in that WWE is now creating a functional NXT product where the goal is to get these guys ready for the main roster. That's going to function well in terms of cohesiveness and who we see pushed from NXT to WWE. At the same time, USA's goal is looking at this product as you guys need to get us the viewership demos that you know we were promised, that we were used to and accustomed to uh, during the previous era of NXT. And those two ideas do not mesh well in terms of WWE being in rebuilding mode and USA network
1: wanting ratings well and also with this with that point of this nxt 2.0 being you know getting guys and girls ready uh main, you know main roster ready so to speak you know again from the point of launch how long until we start to see the first wave of graduations if you will of, right. of call-ups you know a lot of people Braun breaker is probably the guy that's top the list that that we would assume because he seems to be the guy that they're building but it's like that's that's, that's that's what's funny about this they're building breaker to be like the guy who you're just waiting to take the world title. F- uh, and, and have sooner or later, but then it's like, well, is, is game? Is, it's almost like is being world champion of NXT 2.0 holding the strap that says world champion, or is being the champion of NXT 2.0 winning the strap, and then the next day you get to show up on Raw and vacate? It? Yeah. It's, you know, what I mean, it's it's almost like is holding the NXT title worth anything, or is it just you win the title, which means that opens the key to the gate that is Monday Night Raw that,
0: that's or Friday Night a great point, you know, a great question. We'll see, because it seems like he's being fast-tracked. The fact that he's already on the road getting that type of experience, which I think is a very good idea to take some of these NXT guys and put them on the actual tours. Uh, but I do think he's being fast-tracked, and we might see him sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, I mean, Tasso Champo walking around with NXT 2.0 world title, He's not a guy I feel like I'm ever going to see on Raw or SmackDown. He he's right. he's in he's, he's in an he's in NXT until he has doesn't have a contract anymore. So again, I just wonder what kind of prestige will there be holding this world title? Or again, is it just a pass through? Um, and and I mean you know with Royal Rumble two months away now, I mean that's prime real estate right for a Braun Breaker to make an appearance. Yeah, you know so, and we've seen NXT guys make appearances in the Rumble in the past, uh, and still remain in NXT. So it, it, it there is precedent for that. <sighs> Uh I guess there is precedent for this next story, uh, with the theme being WWE keeps <laughs> everything. The house always wins. Uh up, up, down, down, very popular YouTube channel that Xavier Woods uh is the is the godfather and creator of. Uh, I mean, so popular. It's got two point two seven million subscribers. That ain't nothing. Well, Alfred, get this. So content's really slowed down on that channel. Uh, and apparently. Xavier Woods, according to Fightful Select, uh, basically is kind of holding out on creating new content, uh, as is uh, the other people that would the, the other cast of wrestlers and such who would uh, take part in it until he can get a better deal, because basically he's not seeing any extra money. He's not seeing hardly anything, uh, by the way, of compensation or residual as WWE owns a the channel. They always have, even though it's just been branded as like a Xavier Woods project. WWE has owned it. And he's just not seeing what you think you would see if you're producing a popular YouTube channel that has two point two seven million subscribers. What do you I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise, right? Because we've heard the battles with Twitch and the monetization. Yeah, I mean, Adam Cole, that seemed to be a a hill he was willing he was willing to die on. And apparently he does really great with with his Twitch. Um, Does this surprise you or is this just more of the same?
0: It should not surprise me, but I do think this is egregious in terms of Xavier Woods, and I remember specifically when that story was going on in terms of WWE halting the third-party deals. A lot of people were upset about that. And when the two sides were going back and forth, the only leg that people had to stand on in terms of defending WWE is they would say, well, look at Xavier Woods. Look it up, up, down, down. Maybe they can work with WWE, and they could uh, create their own revenue streams like Xavier Woods has. And there was always this assumption that oh, Xavier Woods is one of those guys who – works with WWE on a deal, and he gets his money. But this is even worse, the fact that not only does WWE not want these uh, independent track contractors to make money off of third-party deals, they're also, it looks like, keeping the bulk of what they make on these third, uh, deals when they're uh, doing something like Xavier Woods did in terms of his own passion. So I, it really is kind of depressing to see a story like this, but it is encouraging that a lot of the creators are standing by him, and hopefully they're going to be able to make some noise here.
1: Yeah, and the unfortunate thing is just the fact that WWE owns the channel. And, like, if if, 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 WWE owns the channel, so you would think, okay, they own the channel. So keep the man happy. Keep him to where he stays with you to where he doesn't end up wandering off to an AEW or anywhere else at any point in time. I don't know where he's at in his current contract. But, like, throw the man something. Throw the man, you know, 25% of it. uh, Some percent. Something significant uh, that, that is a difference maker in his life but you still own it so like you know if his contract did run out and he did not want to resign or whatever the case may be okay WWE you own it so i mean in theory you could plug somebody else in whether or not that would work whole different story but it's like i don't understand that you know like it, it, i mean it, but we shouldn't be surprised this goes back a decade think about one of the first real situations of this zach Ryder, zach Ryder, who got over who was not seen at all but got over with his real z true long island and that was truly his and then I think if I remember correctly, WWE then kind of like balled it or at least trying yeah. to move it into their territory and it just watered it down and killed it, with, uh, you know, a quick, you know, a, a sharp, decisive death, Right? <laughs> um, yeah. you know, so this shouldn't be a surprise, but it's unfortunate. This really is unfortunate
0: it really uh, is they, they really this is wrong it's in between this and the story we just heard about keith lee having to pay his own medical expenses mm. when you couple that with the overarching narrative of WWE making more money than it ever has and it's not even close in terms of the revenue streams they have it really at the very least you would think something at these levels would be handled better
1: uh, yeah uh and the, you know this again feels like something it's you know, it's probably not going to change and um by, by the 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 tightening of the ship that seems is happening yeah, uh, by the Nick cons and such uh, in the boardroom. This, that doesn't feel like they're going to release the stranglehold on anything like this. Um, so uh, unfortunate uh, sucks. Cause again, very popular channel. I mean, there's been very few videos that have been uploaded in the last month. Uh, and now we're starting to get some more clarity of, of why and can't say that I blame them. So, right. Oh boy. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into AEW dynamite again. Uh, go on the go home of dynamite as they are approaching full gear this saturday and we start out with a a pretty big match Alfred. for it, uh, when, when they when they frame it and it's rocky romero going up against brian danielson they know both these guys started training in the dojo uh in new japan in 2002 i believe what was the year they threw out there so yeah, yeah so they they both got you know a two decade long history with each other they have they set excalibur up here to give some backstory because coming out with rocky romero is orange cassidy and the best friends and he proceeds to explain how in new japan uh, they've been offered to join chaos and and, and, and the, the entire lineage and importance that is uh, of that group. So, you know, that's the first thing that's going on before we even get into the actual match. And they, and they do continue to touch on this uh, for a while and kind of talk about this as the ultimate kind of forbidden door situation. Uh, Alfred, are you okay with this? I mean, they did give explanations. So it's not like it's just it's not like Orange Cassie just walked out with Rocky Romero and there was no explanation given, but You know, it wasn't something that was, you know, this happening wasn't something that was seen live on AEW television in terms of the um, the the invitation to come to cast. I mean, are you okay? Do you like the forbidden door stuff of, hey, the Internet's fans are smart enough to piece this all together? Or is this confusing if you're trying to bring in a casual fan who only watches every so many weeks?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both in terms of, I do like the fact that there is a forbidden door. This is a very clever way to do it. You take a stable from another promotion and you have somebody enter it. But to your point as well, this only appeals to a small portion of fans. Something like this in terms of Chaos has uh, invited the best friends to come and join. That should have been an angle and that could have used like a maybe small video package talking up the history of chaos because this is one of the legendary New Japan stables in terms of a lot of its top stars today used to be part of chaos, whether it's Will Ospreay, whether it's Jay White. You know, they could tell a brief history of chaos and then show what it means and then have them enter it. But I don't think they got a lot out of it just by saying it, although their audience is small. They really shouldn't settle for that standard. They really should be doing this product as if for the first time you're watching this so that hopefully they can bring in some new viewers.
1: Yeah, so we got a uh, so both here we got, you know, babyface face first baby face, both fan favorites, uh, you know, shaking of the hand, showing a little bit of the honor uh, and respect at the start here. Uh, this is a fun match, a lot of submissions, a lot of counters, as you'd expect from these two guys based on their history, based on how well they know each other. Uh, ultimately brian uh is going to get the win uh no surprise there what you know didn't didn't think rocky romero is going to beat brian Dannison on aew dynamite but still a good match a good showing for all involved uh a hot start here and brian Dannison and they even noted you know he, since he's come to aew uh this has not been a part-time this has not been a part-time contract he has worked a steady heavy workload whether it be dynamite or rampage
0: yeah, and I think that's going to play into the story of his match against Miro because that's great that they said, you know, he is not taking a single week off. He's got Miro this Saturday. He really needs to be resting, and so that might play into that. So that's really great. I like this match. I like this is another match, another different finish that Brian Danielson won with, the Tequila Sunrise. But I was actually – my one nitpick, and they didn't have to necessarily do this, I was thinking that because he uses all these different finishes that maybe he'd have a DDT-oriented finish or something that affects the neck to kind of show that, hey, listen – this is uh, Miro's weakness because that was brought up later on in the show. This is his weakness: is his neck, and Brian Danison can beat him with uh, this move.
1: Well, you know, what, let's go ahead and just jump ahead. Let's just kind of stick with the match and storyline. So, yeah, later in the night, and in the back half of the second hour, they go to a wonderful video package. Uh, you know, WWE's synony- you know we've long since said we can nitpick a lot with <clears throat> WWE's booking and all, all the things. One thing WWE's always been consistent is in the uh, in the editing room. They've always had top notch production and editing, and can really. Uh, you know, make these stories sizzle. Uh, in in sixty or ninety seconds, dynamite. You know, AEW really has had some good ones too, and it, and it falls upon sound bites. Uh, WWE tends to rehash and just take the best sound bites from the promos that are done in the ring. AEW goes more of the angle of having guys cut promos to the camera specifically for a little more a little more UFC fight style, and I like it. I actually I prefer this. They the package they showed later in the night with Miro basically talking uh, again all of the talk of the guy, the talk of Brian Dennison, you're everybody you you were everything to everybody else but me and uh, it just i mean you know i i need to have that world title over my shoulder and a world champion beneath my boot something to that effect i mean <laughs> this guy I, I i can't recall anybody in AEW who's done a bigger 180 again miro came in best friend stuff was just a fart this is i mean he 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 looks primed to be the next heel world title challenger
0: he does he he looks amazing and he's presented as something different from everything else in the show despite the fact that he doesn't necessarily have to be in person it's like they've got that special lighting for him where it's almost like he's doing a confessional which you know the subtlety in there is great because he's cutting all these promos on god so i just love everything I mean, it is I mean, people don't take wrestling as seriously in terms of winning awards and Emmys and stuff like that, but this is a type of thing, if people did, which they should, that would win, I think, like an Emmy Award type, you know, for digital creation or something like this, because I really think that the content of what he's saying combined with how it looks has been amazing for AEW.
1: And maybe what we know about AEW's process makes it that much more impressive and, um, you know, round of applause to the talent, because we know they're not being, you know cornered by 15 writers and told to memorize all the stuff you know you know we're under the impression that th- these are all sound bites that these guys are basically coming you know maybe, maybe they're getting maybe somebody's throwing an idea but but the the, the, the you know bulk of it is their own stuff which yeah. i think it just goes it makes you go well damn why couldn't rusev talk like this, you know, yeah, why, this why, why, why did his wife have to have a fake russian accent to, to talk yeah. for
0: him No, I felt like I was getting a Miro promo, like this is the guy behind whatever character this is, but he's using it in a creative way that makes me interested. And I love that line about the wives that you're going to have to say goodbye to your wife so I can say hello to mine. Yes. (laughs) So great.
1: Again, he keeps mentioning the wife, He's mentioning God, she's a free agent, I can't get off of it, you know? I mean, maybe it's because I got it, maybe it's because I got a. maybe I want it to be a happy Lana day, a happy CJ day, but I can't get off of it. I mean, but Miro. He looks the part. He sounds a part. He's nice and groomed. Alfred, do you think Miro manscapes himself for Lana?
0: He has to. He, he, you can't get a woman like Lana if you don't manscape yourself. you kidding?
1: Damn right. This holiday season, it's the month of November. One of my favorite holidays is Thanksgiving. I know. Miro, he's got to be thankful. That's right. He's thankful. Uh, and We all give thanks for our friends at Manscaped. Uh, performance 4.0 package. Global leaders and below-the-waist grooming not to mention it includes their Lawn 4.0 trimmer to tame whatever you need to tame. Score some brownie points there. Uh, get yourself Manscaped. And this is this is it. I mean, 4 million men. Joined 4 million men worldwide who have trusted Manscaped. You're looking at two of them right here. Um, it, it, they've been a great supporter of the podcast, both monetarily and letting us try out all these products. And, and, and it goes from trying out the products to then we're calling them back saying, all right, send us a full shipment. That's how it's been. You can see what we're talking about by using the code W-I-N-C-20. That's right. Use the code W-I-N-C-20, and you'll save 20%, plus you get free shipping at manscaped.com. You think your holiday spread is good? It's time to give thanks to Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find the lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and the travel bag to hold all of your goodies it is it is the cornucopia for your balls the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents got the led spotlight the 4000k led spotlight so you need perfect lighting for that precise shaving it's also got the the weed whacker with a 9000 rpm motor power 360 degree rotary dual blade system to provide skin safe technology to help prevent nicks snags and tugs in those delicate areas. Can't forget all the liquid formulations. I mean they got the uh, I mean they got the ball deodorant, the crop reviver, everything you need is there. For the gifters, manscaped, it can seal the deal for the gifters. You get two free gifts in the performance 4.0 package, the Manscaped boxers which I love and again the travel bag. Remember I mentioned they got a new product offer? Check this out. They've been busy launching the refined body wash and two-in-one shampoo plus conditioner. Both feature the Manscaped signature scent, ooh la la, and will help you unlock your confidence this year. Your boys and body will be oh so fresh and clean for this Thanksgiving season. Be thankful to them. And again, Manscaped.com, use the code W-I-N-C-20, save 20% plus free shipping. You will be thankful for Manscaped. We are thankful for Manscaped, both for the product and what it does, and again, for the support of this podcast. So thank you. I
0: love it. That signature scent is something different, man. I have oh. this cool one right here with me, so that's what my office smells like, and never felt more manly. So oh, shout out awesome. to
1: Manscaped. It's awesome. Now they they're a great, great sponsor. Um again, I can't say enough and again it, the from the trim from the trimming and the tools again to the things like the accessories, the shaving kit. It's a durable, like leather shaving kit, great to travel with. Uh the boxers, comfortable as all hell. The the shirts even comfortable. Uh I love it all. So manscaped.com, great supporters. Do it, save some money. Thanks to the code WINC twenty. All right, up next, we uh, think we're going to get the inner circle. I think we're going to get them in a promo in the ring with Tony Schiavone, but they're jumped by American top team at the ramp, uh, just beating them down. Dan Lambert, of course, get into it. Great heat here. The people just all over Dan Lambert and company. Uh, Dan Lambert gets up on the on the ropes and kind of uh, you know, a la the Bubba Ray Dudley style Try with some help, of course, from the, his top team. Powerbombs Jericho through a table. Then they hop on the mic and they say, look, this Saturday, not only is American Top Team going to beat the inner circle, but Dan Lambert's going to get the pin on Chris Jericho. And then Dan Lambert proceeds to put the walls of Jericho on Jericho while noting on a mic, this is actually a Boston Crab. And he starts giving a history lesson of Florida Championship Wrestling. I mean, this might have been, this. I mean, there's a lot to take away from this night. But Alfred, this, this this, is right up there with with the with highlights of the night.
0: Unbelievable! I, I just love this. This is a great heat segment. Uh, the real Rocky Johnson. That was very funny. Uh, I, I, you're absolutely right in terms of them getting a lot of heat. What I loved about this is we can sit here, you know, when we're taking apart and marvel at Dan Labert and how great he was. But this was not a cool heel segment. This was particularly planned so that they can get as much heat as possible because they attacked them just as it was time to start singing that chorus with Judas. So not only were these fans pissed that they did not get to sing, but they're also attacking the popular baby faces and they just played it up. Great. I thought, this was wonderful. I love Scorpio Sky's promo after. Ethan Page was great. Every heel was on their game in this segment uh, when they just had to be in terms of it being a go-home segment. So this is this is a very inverse to what they're doing with Jungle Boy against um, the Super Click in that the babyface has got a big segment like this. So I think that kind of cooled down the match heading into it. And this match seems like it's really hot because of this heat segment.
1: I didn't even catch the timing of attacking them just before the crowd could get into the sing-along. Sing- so Uh, dynamite drop in by you those broadcast classes are really taking taking off for you (laughs) thank you that's a great point Uh, I mean I can't wait to I'm I think out of all that's going into full gear here probably maybe one of the top things is tuning and this is this is this is as old school as it gets which is ironic this is as old school cornet as it gets which is ironic considering the identity that AEW has is to tune in to see how much shit Dan Lambert's gonna eat (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean that's Absolutely.
1: that's a great I mean we haven't got that in a long long time. I mean, you know, long of the days of Cornet being active, Heyman every now and again might have that in the case uh in the last 10 15 years with with Punk or with Brock. Um you know, obviously Bobby Heenan rest in peace. You know, a lot of guys they just don't they just don't do the old school heel manager thing anymore uh wb doesn't and then obviously now aw being on the scene now for the last couple of years and it's not even a guy who's really a, a, an internal manager at, at AEW. he's an he's an outsider so this is tremendous stuff uh really is tremendous stuff uh looking forward to seeing again how much crap uh dan lambert's gonna eat and take uh and, and him being the super fan that he is you gotta think that he's gonna he, he's he's gung-ho he's ready to play ball and take some bumps and probably even bleed
0: Oh, for sure, man. I think I think he's going to go all out, and it's perfect. That's exactly what you're going for as a heel wrestling manager. Kind of the Carney mentality of it's, if it's a circus, it's like the dunk tank. It's like how many yeah. people are going to be willing to pay to throw the ball at the tank, and hopefully you get to fall. And so Dan Lambert has captured that perfectly with this audience.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, great. This is really, a, uh, maybe again, maybe argues for a segment of the night, not just for the entertainment value, but for what it accomplished yeah. uh, as we're just a few days away. Six-woman action, Jamie Hayter, uh, uh, Rebel, and uh, Britt Baker up against Ana J, Taya Conti and Thunder Rosa. Um, a lot of moving parts in this one. The, 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 scary, the scary bump that I, I, I hope she's okay, I haven't heard anything more, is Thunder Rosa does a cross-body jump from the top rope to the outside on Jamie Hayter. And if you just watch the way that Hayter lands, uh, it's a violent upper body bump. It is a quick snap back bump. But look, look brutal hopefully she's okay and it looked worth what it actually is uh conti gets the pin on rebel if i recall right and Britt had the chance to maybe come in and right. brit decided ah, just to save herself and live to fight on another day most notably uh this weekend so uh you know I, I don't know pretty i mean the match wasn't the best but i thought the the, the, the conclusion of what was being done was was logical
0: yeah, it's pretty basic storytelling, and the story is that the champion is afraid of the challenger, so that helps uh, Ty Conti. I think they could have done more for them to build up a story, just knowing how good they are at building up some of these stories. I think this is on the more basic side of how they did this, but it has all the ingredients. I like the fact that they weaved in the TBS tournament to where you know Jamie Hayter was able to advance out of this, so it does help. And I do think that uh, Britt Baker and Ty, Ty Conti are going to have a good match. It's just, if it suffers, it'll be because it's so predictable that Britt Baker is going to retain.
1: Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of mystery of who's going to win this. So I, I guess I wonder then, is that just what it's supposed to be? Or are we just continuing to solidify Britt as champion and as top of this women's division? You know, is there a swerve? Is there start to be problems with, you know, like, legit problems between her and her? her two lady cohorts, you know, does, does somebody else end with a stare down to her? You know, I think it'll be interesting to see what the purpose is of what they're going to do here with Brit and this, in this women's match this Saturday. So again, kind of helping sell the pay-per-view here for everybody, but uh, tune into full gear Saturday and we'll see where that goes. All right. We get jungle boy up against Anthony, bowens uh i mean but 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 both the jungle boy over like rover anthony and max uh, cutting raps they're they're they're, they're <laughs> yeah. what, what was the line of the night with the girlfriend
0: i uh, i gotta emphasize that you leave your girlfriend alone with seven guys <laughs> in reference to energy and the dark order man max catches do some great work
1: <laughs> great work great work um so yeah crowd really into this in terms of both sides uh, jungle boy ends up winning it was basically it's basically like a, this was to get jungle boy over it's basically like a handicap match um you know he's ha- having to deal with, with the two-on-one situation he gets to win via submission St- bigger story though is post-match he's attacked by bobby fish and that's notable because obviously jungle boy is heading towards a match with adam cole so bobby the big what is bobby fish doing here obviously you know there's there's, there's an obvious uh correlation of Bobby Fish and Adam Cole from their previous employer. Do you like this Alfred?
0: I do like this. I like philosophically the fact that AEW does not ignore other promotions and other storylines that may have been popular uh, with wrestling fans. I think it adds sort of an MCU-type quality where you get the origin stories of all these different superheroes, even though it may not be their particular movie. And so it, it does make it more interesting that now Bobby Fish is aligning with Adam Cole instead of it just being just this random thing that they're doing and just assuming that you know, or ignoring their history or whatnot. I do like the idea of acknowledging a prior history.
1: I I agree. The fans are going to acknowledge it. The fans are already thinking anyways. They're already making a note of, okay, Adam Cole's here. Now Bobby Fish is, oh, what if they got Kyle? You know, the fans are at least the fans of AEW, especially, they're already thinking of these things. So what, what good is it to flat out, ignore it or not, or, or you can ignore it if you're tony khan if it doesn't fit your plans but in this case it fits adam cole's doing a chicken shit thing by hiring his buddy to be to, to be a cheap shot hitman. um uh, it, it fits you know this is a case again uh i've had moments uh, you know we all do as i think we should you, you try to look at this you try to you know, praise aw when they need praise you try to be critical when you think there's worth being critical but you got to give a lot of credit to Tony Khan for this is where he is very uh, in the he's very there he is listening which is if this was Vince 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 has always been by the mentality if if he didn't create it he doesn't know. it's it, you start over to be Tony Khan has seems to have no prideful issues of acknowledging something that was under the Vince's umbrella you know even though it was more of a Triple H thing but he has no problem acknowledging an association that was done in another company, a forbidden door by his biggest competitor and just saying, well, let's just lean into the fact that you guys were together for the last four years as a group. So why certainly you would come across these other locker room and you'd say, Hey, go take care of this for me. So I, yeah, it's.
0: And particularly with that group, because it was, you know, hot during a time where NXT was going head to head with AEW and we didn't see a lot of crossover. So a lot of people who watched AEW also watched NXT and they would particularly be familiar with the undisputed era.
1: All right, so it's time for just a little bit of fantasy booking offered. So right now, Adam Cole, he's you know, he's got his he's with his old buddies, he's with the Bucks, he's with the Mega. We've talked about this. Cole kind of he's the baby face of the group. Everybody wants to cheer him, even though he's doing heel stuff. So we've talked I think we talked last week. You know, it's probably there for him to break off, him to just break out and be the baby face. Bobby Fish is around. Rumor is Kyle O'Reilly's contract with WWE slash NXT is 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 got a clock that's ticking pretty quick. Are, are are we gonna are we gonna see it's not can't be called the undisputed era. Are we just gonna see that end up reforming in AEW?
0: If they bring in Kyle O'Reilly, there's no other reason I think that they'd be doing it than to do an undisputed era. And they've already kind of started to plant the seeds for undisputed era versus the Young Bucks. If you looked at the how visually it looked with Bobby Fish kind of standing on the other side and the Young Bucks wary of him, and they threw that little shot at him, and it's not disputed. This is the era of the Young Bucks. I do think the storytelling is there because they have already started to tell the story about Adam Cole splitting from Kenny Omega. So maybe Kenny Omega goes with the Young Bucks and they fraction off and Adam Cole going with the Undisputed Era, man. That, I mean, that's going to be a match that would get a lot of people excited. Maybe it could be a blood and guts match. Who knows?
1: Maybe it's the next Stadium Stampede. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Go back to Jacksonville. There you go. Go back to Jacksonville. Tim Tebow. I want a Tim Tebow or a uh, Tim Tebow. T- Trevor Lawrence appearance. I'm <laughs>
0: No, Get Urban my- Meyer. They don't go to the
1: no, bar. Run they urban go- bar. <laughs> <laughs> Ir- 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 Irvin Meyer standing at the bar. <laughs> Rebel- he's a
0: good sport. He'll do something like that. Come on, Urban
1: Ir- Rebel comes in and tries to like dance <laughs> near him or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we're going <laughs> to touch that one. I don't know. <laughs> S- Serge McTavish. Is Hangman Page a better feel-good wrestling story than Brian at WrestleMania 30? I say yes purely because it's, genu- it's genuine It's booked, climb to the top, not a rewrite. Uh, I, I, I Actually, I disagree with that. I, Alfred, I don't know. I'll let you go first here, but I, I disagree.
0: No, yeah, I think Brian Danielson is like the pinnacle in terms of feel-good stories just because of how much real life. It was pretty much a story of not only Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan at the time, but the fans getting behind him in it. Finally, working. Uh, there's always been a perception that WWE is going to do what WWE is going to do, and they kind of fight their fans. And this time, the fans won. So I think uh, it's an iconic moment. And as great as this Hangman Adam Page story has been, I don't think it has that iconic status that Brian Danielson did.
1: Yes, first off, t- t- you know, to the comment of saying he says yes purely because it's genuine, book climb, not a rewrite. Uh, search the rewrite is part of the magic. Mm-hmm. And what I mean is. Daniel, we'll call him Dan O'Brien for the citizens. That's what he was in 2014. Daniel O'Brien managed to get them to hijack and re. or the fans. The Dan O'Brien fans managed to get them to hijack and they managed to hijack and get them to rewrite on the road to mania. That that rumble, which was Punk's last match, that rumble was here in Pittsburgh. I was sitting front row here in Pittsburgh, and I can remember as they got ready, as it got time for it, when we knew number thirty's coming next, there's only one left to go. And Rey Mysterio came out. And the place booed Rey Mysterio out the building. Rey Mysterio has been a babyface his entire life and career. <laughs> and they booed him out of the out, out, out of the building. And then but Batiste ends up winning. I remember Batista wins and he's standing there for the pyro and I made eye contact with one of the referees. I forget who it was. And I kind of did like a little bit and he kind of like shrugged his shoulders because as the crowd's moving, because even they knew we just missed an opportunity. And in a matter of three months from that point, the fans got Vince to change his mind and totally reworked it to where Dan O'Brien worked two matches in a night and ends up ends up ending the night standing triumphantly and the same WrestleMania where the Undertaker's streak gets broken, he's the la- like the rewrite is part of the magic because there hasn't been anything since, and there might not ever be anything else again at least as long as Vince is alive and controlling the company. That's part of the magic. It's great that Tony Khan and AEW is genuinely listening and letting Adam or letting Hangman Page um, rise, but yeah, they're listening to the audience. But that's part of the magic of Brian staying in Mania Thirty. It's just you know. Absolutely. and, I, and I, alpha were you there in new orleans for that one i was no there. i was
0: not that,
1: i mean i i still i would say that's probably if, if, if i had to pick it's right there it's that or wrestlemania 17 i was at both of them that's it's wow. there because you know of all, all the things i just said so
0: that um, is a wrestlemania that if like if i can go back in time and attend i would love to not only for that great moment but just to feel when the undertaker lost to be in that building must have been one of the more chilling i mean how did that feel that when the Three went down, and you saw the Undertaker lose live.
1: You thought it was a botch.
0: Yeah,
1: there was. A, I wish I could go. I wish I had a way to to prove, but I have no. I don't. I don't think I have any video that I recorded. You thought it was a botch, and then like twenty or thirty seconds after the match was over, maybe even longer, all of a sudden on one of the LED screens that WWE controlled, the record, the twenty-one and one, I think yeah. it became yeah. popped up. And when that popped up, there was this gasp of
0: mm-hmm. well,
1: this isn't fake. They just put the graphic up so that you know, I mean, it, it, it was stunning, you know, and then I, I'm the guy that had the crazy eyes. I had him on my uh, show a few weeks later, and that was fascinating to talk to him and pick his brain. And yeah, that 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 mania that um... and then if I remember, right, that's the same one that uh, the next night we see warrior. Was it that one or no? Yes. Or, was it wa- yeah,
0: WrestleMania 30 weekend? Yeah.
1: Warriors out the next night, and then the day after that, we're all eating breakfast, getting ready to go board our planes home, and we look at our phones and he's about yeah, it was just very sad. Very, very crazy week. Um, back to the program here. Sam Austin, uh, AEW, the most faction heavy promotion of all time. Probably yes, actually, if you if you go by the numbers. Every everybody yeah. is almost associated with the faction. They take a they, they they take the real life locker room mentality of no most people in locker rooms have 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 alliances.
0: I don't have a problem with it at all because they make so much mention of it. So then we get trios matches, which is a new kind of type of wrestling that I hope they continue to invest in. And it's also a very easy way to kind of get people open, like what they're doing with Wheeler Yuta, where he's kind of getting that rub from best friends.
1: I've grown to it. I was very critical of it for a long time i i always use the example of the this is anchorman news team backlot brawling everybody's everybody's just having this ridiculous group fighting i I bought into it more for those reasons but this but i will say and you're trying to grow audience and you're trying to grow new audience having faction heavy is tough because you do literally almost need a scorecard to keep track of who is with who so that that's my biggest knock is it is like I feel like faction heavy is a hard thing for to appeal to new audiences at times. Maybe I'll be just maybe I'll be proven wrong over the long term, but, um, but I but I've I've gained on it, you know, and it's made people like CM Punk, who's not associated with anybody, uh, stand out at least. Yeah, Punk's out there on his own. Um, we got a promo, really good package here. Uh, This is the two things we got of Eddie Kingston is going to go up against CM Punk of full gear. Uh, we got this great package and promo, uh, and then later in the night, we see them having to be separated, brawling out in the parking garage area. Um, Alfred, what do you make of this? Because Eddie Kingston, he's positioned kind of as the heel here, punks the, the babyface on his comeback tour, but then it's also a little bit of like Kingston just wants respect he had to work, you know, punk who had to work hard to get accepted on the mainstream. Kingston's basically like, screw that. I had to work three times harder, you know, go take another seven years off. You spoiled little punk. Yeah. Um. This is a tough week for Eddie Kingston to be framed as a heel in any, in any regard, because he had a, a very, uh, a very in-depth piece that he penned on the player's tribune about his life and career and was completely honest about all, all the hardships he's dealt with. Uh, So what do you make of Eddie Kingston right now? How do you look at him as a fan and as a wrestling pundit?
0: I mean, I think he's doing great work, some of the most phenomenal work of his career, clearly. And just it's only a matter of the fact that he's now getting that spotlight to do these great things that he's been doing for years now. And yes, you're right about him being framed as the babyface, but that's not going to work with all these fans. I expect at least 50% support for Eddie Kingston, not only because there's just only so many people who are willing to boo this man because he's just kind of the spiritual leader of AEW, but also because of this storyline kind of does frame CM Punk. Like the heel we were talking about this last week in terms of cm punk a man wanting an apology like you need to apologize to me is one of the biggest heel tropes in terms of somebody having such a big ego a babyface would probably be vouching for somebody else like you did this person wrong who couldn't offend themselves apologize to them that's more of a babyface thing than I, you apologize to me for interrupting my interview time and then if you just saw eddie kingston it was just that segment was so raw and so real and i do think eddie kingston did a great job turning people uh, to his side in terms of where he's coming from uh, and being condescended to. And so I, I think this is fascinating storytelling. I'm very interested to see how the reaction will be uh, at full gear.
1: I am too. Uh, another, was another good, uh, well-edited piece that they put together, kind of showing uh, the highlights of the promo. Uh, yeah, this is, you know, if, if you have not read the Players' Tribune, you just go on Google Eddie Kingston um, Players' Tribune. You know, he, he writes this, this pretty in-depth uh, piece about his life, um, his career. And I know that might sound kind of generic, like, well, so what? But it it is absolutely worth reading. Um, He's so honest about mistakes and shortcomings and what have you that it is just such a babyface story. If he wasn't honest, then then it's just kind of like a diary. But he's so honest that you're kind of like, well, okay, yeah, the guy made some mistakes here or this decision there, whatever. But he's so honest about it. You're kind of like, how do you not want to root for the guy? And I got to, and, and I don't know about you, Alfred. You know, please let me know from your perspective. I knew Eddie Kingston's name. I'd heard his name, and I, and I probably could pick him out the lineup if you said which headshot is Eddie Kingston. But I, I, I don't think I'd saw three full matches. I think I maybe the most I'd seen of Eddie Kingston was maybe just clips of something of, you know, until he showed up to AEW. And then obviously have I've seen quite a bit of him since he's been there. Um, I, I, didn't really know what the big deal about the guy was. I didn't, I didn't, you know, the, those who were fans of his, I didn't, I didn't know the story even to the point, And I'll admit this right now, you know, he, he looked apart. he looked a New York tough guy when he's cutting the promos. And then when he'd wrestle and he, he's wearing the, the, the and he, and he's wearing, and I know a lot of his outfits, he would pay respect to his Japanese wrestling, uh, you know, uh, heroes and guys he looked up to. I still just didn't get it. I was like, "Well, why do that? Like, you sh- you should be wearing the Uggs or the Tims and, and and dressing the New York street style." But now, and but now, I will completely go back and say I was wrong, and and that opinion of mine, I don't think it was a good opinion of mine because now, reading from him and getting to hear it directly, reading it directly from him, how important those Japanese that, that stumbling upon Japanese wrestling was, and, and the tapes, and really seeing what effect it had, and where he was in life. I'm like okay now I appreciate that even more and so I mean this this Players Tribune story I thought did wonders for him and I don't I, Tony Khan again he's always listening so I got to think he's going to lean into this I think Eddie Kingston's probably getting set up for what could be a really the probably the biggest babyface booking run he's ever had in any promotion.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And he's going to run with that. And I, you know, I I've heard about Eddie Kingston for a long time. I'm like you, a lot of what I saw him do wrestling wise was through clips, but what really kind of got me into him was his promos is there's, you know, his promos would be online and it's never been a doubt that the guy could really cut a promo, but I think he's now kind of putting it all together in terms of this match. Well, let me ask you, do you think he should win this match? Cause there's now starting to be a groundswell of people thinking that he should win this match. Do you think he wins or do you think he should win?
1: Um, that's a great question. Uh, you know, if you asked me this a week ago, I'd say no chance. I, I'd say Punk's still on the comeback of the reunion loop. Um, don't have him lose to a guy who's 38 years old, or I think that's what he is. Yeah. But I don't know. Now having read that story, and I think a lot of other people are feeling the same way you and I are, this might be better served to have CM Punk lose for what it could do for Eddie Kingston versus CM Punk losing to, you know, pick a uh, pick a 20-something-year-old in right. AEW who's probably going to get false. You know, th- this might do more for Eddie Kingston at 38 and capitalize on the situation at hand right. than it would if CM Punk loses to MJF in a year from now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would strongly consider it. Yeah. I would strongly if I'm Tony Khan, I would strongly consider and I would talk to CM Punk and say, What do you think? And if and if and if Tony Khan is gonna lean in and if Eddie Kingston is gonna have the the biggest potential of a babyface run that he's had in any company he's ever worked for, there's no better launching pad if you're trying to have a babyface run than being the first guy to beat CM Punk in over seven years and then after the match doing the handshake and getting the sign of respect and punk going Yeah, this guy's a baby face now. He earns my respect. You should have you know, you should cheer him now. That could be that could be the launching pad.
0: That would, that would be huge for Eddie Kingston. I do think it's still a bit too early to beat CM Punk, but if they made the decision, I would understand it just based on how hot this particular storyline has gotten. But I, I will, I mean, I do know that Eddie Kingston has said, I guess he came out as part of this storyline and said, it's not about winning for me. So this might be one of the rare disqualification finishes if they're really trying to get Eddie Kingston over as a heel, which is something they just do not do in AEW. I think they've had one or two DQ finishes, but if they really lean into Eddie Kingston potentially being a heel, Deal with a dq type of finish so that they could set up for another match i mean that would be very interesting
1: i didn't even think about the dq uh, yeah, you're right that actually that's that's one thing that they they have that to capitalize on it if and when you know if and when they want to i, mean, I guess this would be an interesting situation to to utilize in a time where if you don't want punk to lose but you want to still protect eddie right interesting uh, hey chat room, I see you guys have been lighting up as we've been talking about this. Something about Elias. What's uh what's I'm I'm guessing something on Twitter is brewing. Did something happen with Elias? are we uh what's uh we're 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 live. We're live, pal. What's happening?
0: Is Elias still with the company? I guess. Oh boy. A question. oh boy. I hope he is. I mean
1: they did those vignettes with him. They're not
0: gonna pay those off.
1: So they stopped doing those vignettes. Yeah, they did. They did they them, cake. did them, did them, and then all of a sudden all right, oh, well, enough,
0: he was at a graveyard so i don't think that was too good of a sign <laughs> yeah all right
1: yeah right <laughs> all right well uh we'll, we'll we'll table the elias talk but yeah eddie kingston versus punk I, that's a great question I, I really hadn't even thought about that but i this might be the time to it might again it might just do more of freddie kingston than anything else would so yeah i'll wait and see all right up next talk about a guy that could do something hang on we're, we're being we're, people are chatting saying Elias got released
0: oh Elias yeah I'm starting to see that hey.
1: on Twitter well he's another Pittsburgh great he was uh he was heavy metal Jesus Logan Shulo he can go back to being heavy metal Jesus oh there you he can go be, he, he can be all eat heavy metal Jesus
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. there we go all right uh another another Pittsburgh IWC guy Wardlow uh, up against Wheeler Utah. Now on paper, this is meant to be big man squash match, but there was a little bit more meat on the bone, Alfred. I think than just big man squash match. So Wardlow, we, Wheeler Yuta gets a little shine to start. He's he's hopping and jumping. He's eluding the big man for a minute until eventually, as it always does, power overtakes the the elusiveness, <laughs> and then Wardlow proceeds. I think four power bombs.
0: Yeah.
1: On Wheeler Yuta. The crowd is popping. The crowd wants one more. They're just they're kind of just giving applause to Wardlow's just just brutality. Uh, and then he ends up ending it with that rising knee strike. I like to always note when Jim Ross has a quote of the night. Here was the quote of the night. <laughs> As Wheeler Utah's getting his ass kicked. Jim Ross goes, Well, sometimes when you wrestle in tennis shoes, bad things happen. <laughs>
0: And he brought that up again during the Pac versus Dax Harwood match because poor Ayuda slipped on the ropes. And from that point, Jim Ross, the old school, you got to wear wrestling boots, brother. He just eviscerated this man for wearing tennis shoes.
1: (laughs) If you're going to be a slobber knocker, (laughs) wear some boots. And I love JR. JR, I would even call as a friend. I'm not making fun of JR. I'm just trying to do my best JR impression based off what he said.
0: (laughs) You definitely captured the energy of the moment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Wardlow wins here. Um, Certainly feels like Wardlow's been getting a lot of wins on dark and elevation. He's like 21 and three is like his record. And the losses he has are all high profile losses to Cody in a cage or whatever. interesting mjf isn't seen live mjf's got a big match coming up saturday with darby they've been back to teasing a little bit more maybe of mjf wardlow not on the same page what have you and wardlow gets the big go home show showing they notice he's one it's his guy let's see if his guy can be as successful as saturday alfred this feels like we're finally moving into the direction of the diesel sean split here
0: if they are they're doing a great start with Wardlow in terms of showcasing this guy as an absolute superstar on his own accord. You know, the fact that MJF wasn't there, wasn't lost on the audience. I don't think uh, JR was sure to point it out and you pointed out so astutely. And I do think that what they do with Wardlow tonight should be a week to week thing where if they're ready to split them up and heat Wardlow up, I mean, just by doing a few of these matches, people were going crazy for this. And it it kind of speaks to the fact that there is a belief that, oh, they're hardcore wrestling fans. They're going to have a high bar for the type of technical wrestling that you have to do. This was like a 90s era superstar style. And Wardlow looked fantastic doing power bombs, slams, getting this card. You mentioned the four power bombs. They, they yeah. probably scripted one. These people wanted four power bombs. So. And he kept doing it. I loved it. This is a variety show. So yes, you can have all your chain wrestling and the different type of lucha styles of wrestling they have, but these big man squashes get over too. Especially you got a guy like Wardlow who I think they should absolutely see something in, in terms of him being a pillar, like Jim Ross was saying, and that snubbed the pillar at that one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah, it, it, was, it was it was there. MJF and Sean Spears weren't there. MJF is tweeting a lot more with Sean Spears. It certainly seems like that's where we're we're heading towards and i'm here and i i think you're exactly right i think it was scripted for one and he did four power bombs and actually if you and if you want to get really in into the behind the scenes of catching guys not break character but just having fun so just before the next stuff happens which we'll get to after he's the match is over world is one he's going back up the ramp they show wheeler you to lane on the apron kind of under the ropes and Orange Cassidy and, and and company are kind of checking on him. If you read lips, they're checking to make sure he's okay, legit, making sure that he you know he just took four brutal power bombs and then uh, you know what's a brutal looking knee strike from Morlo and Orange Cassidy. I think if I read my lips correctly, asked Wheeler Yuta, "You okay?" how many power bombs did he give you? And we let you kind of laughed, So It goes four. <laughs> go back in your DVR. I just might've gave you a little nugget to find. It's a little, if, if, you, if you like to, if you always wonder what a wrestler saying to each other in this kind of situations where they need to be panel. on that, that's, I believe what happened that's happening. And then here comes Hardy family office. They come out and, uh, attack best friends. And then Matt Hardy hits the twist of fate on orange Cassidy while he's got the chair wrapped around Cassidy's neck. So, uh, pretty violent little scene there i love matt i love matt hardy but uh, i feel like matt and hardy family office really needs something because i feel like they i feel like they are a faction that is getting lost in the faction shuffle
0: yeah definitely i mean it feels like they're stalling to come up with something for them because the story with matt hardy for so many weeks is just him showing up at orange cassidy's matches and so now he's finally getting physical and maybe they're going to head to a blow off match, but whether or not they haven't, there really isn't a purpose for the Hardy uh, family office as talented as those guys are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Matt, it disappoints me. You know, obviously Matt is one of those guys. He had so much, you know, he had so much buzz, which then brought him back to WWE and the Hardy boys thing. And then they try to do, you know, woken Matt Hardy, he leaves WB there's, he's able to capture the buzz again. AEW brings him in. He's broken Matt Hardy. Granted it's during the empty arena time. So uh, take that for what you will. But I just feel like, uh, I don't know. I, I I, just, I, I, I just feel like it's, it's, it's too mediocre. I feel like something's, I, I feel like it's too random. I feel like here's Matt Hardy. And then here's the blade, but where's the butcher and bunny. And then here's, I, I like here's, or um, what is a private party?
0: Private party, yeah. I keep it was, it was Isaiah <laughs> Cassidy.
1: Yeah, I don't. I just it, it feels like here it's just too random of a, of an assortment. I'm not buying into it. Yeah, I'm not buying into Matt. Like Matt is rich. Matt's got millions. I know that. That's believable. This doesn't feel like the ensemble that Matt would.
0: Yeah. And that's storytelling. They started to tell us a story about Matt Hardy being this Carney promoter, which was great. Matt Hardy, you give him space to create, he'll be great every time. And so he's doing this kind of Carney gimmick where he's taking some from their contract and you're thinking it'll lead to a split or something. But then they just stopped explaining why they're still together and they just moved on, like, oh, you you get it. And we don't. We haven't gotten any type of payoff to that.
1: And that's, you're right. That's what, but at first it was funny when he was taking – whatever crazy percentages he was and but yeah it has it has fallen by the wayside so um I I don't know let's let's do better with that if we can do better with that all right up next might be the match of the night and this was kind of positioned in the card as I don't want to say throwaway, but it was just kind of positioned and sandwiched in it, it was just sandwiched I'll just leave it at that Leo Rush and Dante Martin First Lee Moriarty and Matt Seidel. Alfred, this effing rocked.
0: Yes. <laughs> this
1: this I, all right. So this is awesome chance. AEW organic chance coming from people just of admiration of what they were watching. A lot of stories are at at play here. This is Leo Rush's dynamite debut. He was the Joker um, at one at the, at the pay-per-view a, a while ago, but he'd never been on Dynamite. Dynamite debut wrestling. Uh, this is Lee's Dynamite debut. Only his seventh match in AEW as a whole. You know, we hear about WWE looking for guys who are younger and trying to get younger and younger, younger, younger. You got Leo Rush, who's gonna be twenty-eight on Thursday. He's gonna be twenty-eight and in and, and fifty-seven minutes from now. You got Dante Martin, who's twenty. You got Lee. Another great Pittsburgh product here. 22. Matt Seidel, he's the old man at 38. Very been around the block. This was just showcasing youth, athleticism, and diversity. This was this was fantastic. I I'm not even gonna try. I started writing notes and I literally started to scribble and I just said, screw this. I tried to write a play by play of the fantastic things I've seen, and I couldn't. It was impossible to do. The commentators could barely speak the play-by-play and even said, Oh, my God, how fast is this? Uh, Alfred, uh, a match of the night?
0: Yes, 100% match of the night. And I think the fact that the commentators were kind of struggling to keep up added something to it watching from TV, especially Tony Schiavone. was just great. Instead of just calling the action at one point, he just goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And like <laughs> that pretty much captured what you're watching. Uh, you're right. Go back and watch this match because words cannot describe how great it was. Leo Rush's comeback was phenomenal. As great as this match was. And Dante Martin was great. Matt Seidel doing a great job as a ring general. Lee Moriarty was hugely over with this crowd where they're chanting Lee Moriarty kind of singing uh, for him, which is great to see. And just seeing these guys run wild was so fantastic. But Leo Rush had this comeback that it was kind of like his showcase, like Remember Me? And it was unbelievable, like a video game style comeback where he, it's pretty much like you're playing joystick and like you fake the sleep and then you backflip and you hit the kick. So it was just unbelievable. This match, this whole match really just tore this house down. And it's great to see you mentioned the diversity, it's great to see a lot of these uh black talent that they've signed. And uh, you know, Dante Martin is somebody who I feel like they're investing in in recent weeks. And all you got to do is give them a little TV time to showcase what they do and then build on that. And you can create a star overnight,
1: yeah. I, you know, yeah, Leo <laughs> Rush definitely hit L3 uh several times yeah. here. Um, yeah, you know, let's talk about Leo Rush real quick because. <clears throat> You know, put it in perspective, you know, obviously Leo Rush uh, had a lot of f- fanfare on the independent scene, probably, I like think, PWG and a lot of places before he ended up in WWE. He gets to WWE and he's a great talker. And and so it wasn't the worst idea to make him a mouthpiece. And he was there with Bobby Lashley. That wasn't the worst thing, but it was kind of like, well, fine, use, utilize a mouthpiece, but, you know, let this guy wrestle too. He ends up kind of getting 205 live pigeonholed and demoted which is that's that's his own thing uh and you know there was and then there's rumors and a lot of things that there was just he he was going through things whatever whatever happened but the point is he's not there anymore so it's like on national television in america leo rush really hasn't ever been given like this is probably the most honest run he's a chance he's going to be given of go out and be leo rush go out and talk like leo rush be the man of the hour but also do what leo rush can do which not a lot of other people can do, and and you're right. This was a, hey, remember me, if you don't already know, Here, here here's a statement I'm about to make. This was match of the night. Yeah. um, In a go-home show that was more match-heavy than I anticipated for a go-home show to a pay-per-view, uh, there was a lot of action that happened. This was match of the night, and again, I can't stress, 28 tomorrow, 20 years old, 22 years old. I mean, uh, you know, there, there's some things that obviously need to be tightened up and camera awareness, whatever, nitpick all that stuff. But let's just focus on this. This is a match that elicited, this is awesome chance and AEW chance. That says something.
0: Yeah, these people came unglued for it, and it was it was amazing, just yeah. a work of art.
1: You could throw this match out next week on Dynamite. I know Dynamite and AEW doesn't. They don't. They try to avoid rematches, which we all get enough of on Mondays. Uh, they try to avoid rematches. I would have no problem. Just for shits and giggles, they threw this back out there and said, "All right, guys, see if you can go top the last one."
0: Yeah, run it back. Why not? No problem whatsoever.
1: Why not? All right, we get pack first. Dax Harwood. So uh, you you get a situation here of a singles match. Everybody else banned from the from the ringside for the for the for the match. Uh, Commentary is kind of selling it as not really a baby face. So, well, maybe packs a baby face, but they're selling it as here's just two miserable hard hitters.
0: Right, two miserable
1: personalities that are hard hitters. And it was hard hitting. Uh it was I mean <laughs> the chops were so hard that Pack is bleeding from his back. <laughs> He's bleeding from his back.
0: It's funny cuz they were chopping each other and then I see Aubrey just start putting her gloves on I was like what for the chops?
1: Me too. <laughs> like damn. Me too. I was like what should you grab the gloves for? I'm like oh damn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh th- there's an avalanche brainbuster from Pack from the top rope. On Dax, uh, brutal-looking. Yeah. Uh, pack Pac gets uh, Dax to tap. Post-match, here comes Wheeler, uh, Cash Wheeler. Uh, he's he's helping beat down, and then lights go out. Lights come back up. Here's Andrade and Malachi Black. They all are just beaten down um, on Pack, uh, Eventually, the Lucha Brothers and uh, Cody will come out, hit the ring. They'll kind of clear it. But let's talk about this, this, this alliance that's forming. Again, very faction-heavy. Everybody's got to have somebody watching the back. So you got Dax and Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler aligning uh, with Malachi Black and, and Andrade. This, good God, this is like the disgruntled NXT stars. Yeah. This is like that, that's all I get. That's when I look at the lineup. I'm like, these are the guys that all succeeded on NXT. They just got shafted <laughs> if, when they went to Raw.
0: The future endeavor. That's the future endeavored. That's, uh, the that's future endeavored. <laughs> Maybe
1: well, oh, there's gonna be. There's got to be a faction that's gonna be called Future Endeavored, right?
0: There should. There, there absolutely should. But to your point from earlier, you were talking about how because there's so many factions, some people who travel alone, kind of are presented differently. And I felt like that was one of the allures for Malachi Black. I don't like the fact that Malachi Black is involved with any stable, even if it is part of a story, and they're using it to tell the story of you know Cody having a feud with. Um, yeah, Andrade L Idolo, but I want to see a Malachi Black on his own. So I hope this is just kind of a temporary thing because they are going to have a tag team match at full gear. And uh, sooner rather than later, I'd rather see Malachi Black on his own.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I- I've always had a longstanding rule about uh, the supernatural uh, and, and the, the superpowers, <laughs> you know, the 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 Undertakers, the Bray Wyatts, those who, have, those who don't get to operate on the same reality as everybody else, those who you accept that they can make the lights go out and they can appear and lights come back on those you accept, you know, that's the supernatural. And I agree Malachi black. He doesn't dress in a locker room next to Andrade. He's right. in a spooky. He's in a spooky place of his own where he gets ready. You know, like, yeah, I don't, I don't picture him as a guy who's, you know, I got, got, got an allegiance in the locker room, but nonetheless, that's where they're going with this. So we'll see. Uh, everybody's kind of paired up right now with their opponents. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out post, full gear right um but but certainly something to keep an eye on here all right main event time contract signing they made everybody else leave the building so you're not going to get any shenanigans so you think from anybody else it is hangman page and kenny omega signing the contract for the world title match this saturday at full gear of course you got to have a little bit of battle of the words omega says it was him who always had to pick up hangman page every time he fell off the horse and pick him back up hangman says omega you're scared of me you've always been scared of what i'm going to become and i'm going to become it this saturday when i win that world title and so all this is happening and it looks like oh no we i mean we, we can't just end on on niceness you know, but it looks like omega's like let's just shake my hand let's just have a good match have a good match buddy shake of the hand looks like they're gonna walk away and all of a sudden the cameraman attacks hangman page and it it turned out to be don Callis in disguise they bust hangman open take his blood kenny omega signs a contract alfred did you like this as the final scene for the go home show
0: loved it only thing left is to have hangman adam page go over and this was a perfect ascension uh, of a baby face even in its imperfection in terms of them having to kind of pause the storyline which I think allowed this to breathe and was a very much needed uh, plot twist in terms of uh, Hangman Adam Page's rise. So I thought this was great. I love the fact that Don Callis has been off TV for several weeks where, you know, Kenny Omega has been seconded by uh, Nakazawa and all these guys are just like, where's Callis? Uh, and he's out of sight, out of mind, essentially to where now when you see this big twist, it comes as even more of a surprise because nobody's even thinking about Don Callis due to him being gone. So I really like this being done. You know, people complain about like WWE doing contract signings all the time and using it as a crutch. It's not the contract signing segment. I have a problem with, they could do as many as they want, but as long as you make it interesting, you add these kind of unique twists, you have great promos that kind of summarize the storyline contract signings could be very creatively fulfilling if you're able to do different things with them.
1: Sure. Sure. And it's a great point about Callis being off because you're right. It, it, it helps the logic of like, well, Callis has been out of the picture. He hasn't been at the arenas the last few weeks. So if Tony Khan's telling everybody else to leave, Tony Khan's under the assumption that Don Callis isn't there. Don Callis snuck in as a cameraman, so that does work really well. It was a great swerve. It really was. Um, yeah, th- th- this this uh, this this is, this was strong. I thought it was a good finish. Um, I agree. This kind of is the as the as Raj would say with the equation. The baby face is left bloodied. This kind of sets up that the baby face is walking out the world title, yep. which I don't have a problem with. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I thought this was a really good, and it's it's so funny. They got me, too, because I'm watching, and and now I'm looking back, and I'm like, oh, my God, this was so well-planned by them. There were several times I noticed they're on the card cam, which the hard cam is positioned in the, the hard cam is physically set up in the crowd, and it shoots the ring. And then I see the camera person. I see a camera guy getting in the ring, and that this does happen. You, you, you transition from hard camera to then, if it's a promo, oftentimes you will have a a, a roaming cameraman in the ring to get closer shots. And I kept noticing that the damn cameraman was like getting in the shot. You know, and I and like I, I was like, somebody in the production truck, tell that cameraman to move, move to your left. And and now I look back and and rightly wrong and maybe some of it was accident but it, it made this cameraman seem obnoxious but it seemed like it was just a technical error live and then when you get the aha it's not a cameraman it's a guy there to attack it really played out well so i mean i really got to give a, a kudos to how they executed this again i don't know if it was all you know as scripted as that but it looked really really good this was this was a great swerve
0: and that's realistic. It's very realistic in that it plays into the fact that this is not a real cameraman. I mean, not to keep bringing up Squid Game as I want to do on this podcast, but there was a guy, no spoilers, but somebody infiltrated it, and the way they were acting was very suspicious, and some of the guys who'd been there for years were like looking at him like, well, this is not how it works here, but that's exactly what it was like.
1: So you're on the, I haven't started it, but everybody's on to. the Squid Game.
0: You've got to, man. Yeah. I was late, too. Listen, I just, I think as of two weeks ago, I finished it, but... As soon as I started, I had to finish it. It's it's worth the hype.
1: I think the last thing I was late but jumped on the train to for Netflix was Tiger King. Oh really? Oh that was. <laughs> <a lot. laughs> I wasn't late to Ozark. I was kind of with Ozark as it came out. Uh, I still
0: haven't seen Ozark, but I've things, oh, and I, I'm sure yeah. I like
1: it. Yeah, At do millions. It. Yeah, both. Yeah, do, do definitely do Ozark. New season coming. Uh, all right, Alfred. People have been blowing up too in the chat, so I gotta I gotta call it out give some love to your shirt because they've been, they've been all trying to see the shirt. I think they all know what your shirt is. Give, oh, okay. give some love well, to the album cover.
0: This is the album cover. I- iconic. Let's get to the mic. Iconic yeah. album cover of old dirty bastard. The 36 chambers. He's a legendary member of the Wu-Tang clan. My favorite member of the Wu-Tang clan is ODB. Kind of the Brock Lesnar of uh, Wu-Tang clan. And that's the most talented <laughs> guy, but you can't always tell him what to do and where to go. So but he's great. And so this is uh a teddy bear version, which I thought was very uh, cool, uh, in terms of ODB, and this is just one of the iconic album covers. In that, it's a, basically his welfare card, his food stamp <laughs> on the cover, which is a uh, you know just uh, art in terms of hip hop history. So I uh, love this sweater, and uh, that's exactly what it is. Thirty six chambers, ladies and gentlemen, give it a listen. It's a great album.
1: Yeah, so people, so people caught wind of that, so I wanted to give it a shout oh, out. That's great. I, thought, love I thought I thought you have you have ODB. I'm rocking ACDC. Let's just give the the. the <laughs> total ends of the spectrum here let's just you know (laughs) coming together
0: never gonna see a super group there but you know
1: (laughs) yeah they won't be playing a festival together anytime uh i guess that's that's what it's all about bringing everybody together we're all here for for wrestling talk it doesn't matter whether you're odb or acdc you're here for wrestling
0: it's all love it yeah look at the spectrum that it brings in
1: i love it i love it and forgive some plug what's going on in forbes
0: uh only on Forbes, i'm gonna have an interview with buddy matthews formerly known as buddy murphy it's gonna be up tomorrow and then we're gonna uh hopefully talk about some more of this xavier woods story as it comes to because that's a lot of uh business uh behind that and it's very a fascinating story and we kind of noted on it how sad it kind of is so uh, a lot of stuff there and then of course full gear i'll have wall-to-wall coverage this weekend this saturday and i'll be back here talking about full gear saturday night
1: oh wow very good yeah the xavier woods stuff I- i'd be curious I'll-, I'll be reading whatever you put out like would he have? A, I mean, like, would he have any IP case? Would he have any uh, intellectual property? Or if he agreed from the start that it's WWE's, is he just kind of handcuffed?
0: That's what I'm afraid of. Is that he must have? I mean, if for as much work as he's put in, the, the reports that he's not really making a lot, he must have signed some deal that, uh, you know, and you know, if you saw Dark Side of the Ring and Jerry McDivitt, I mean, th- he doesn't mess around in terms of WWE legally. So if you signed a deal like that with WWE, I'm afraid they dotted their eyes, crossed their T's, and there's really no way out of this.
1: Yeah, because I, I, I mean, like Xavier Woods, the, the real person, I mean, obviously he's like he's super smart, very well educated. So He's not a dumb guy. So, like, yeah. I'm curious to what he was willing to sign. And, and that's yeah, you're right. Jerry's a bulldog uh, yeah. I mean, right here. You got another, another another Pittsburgh connection right here. He's a bulldog. He's as, as, as dark side of the ring certainly showed. All right, very good. Well, check out all of Alfred's stuff. Great stuff on Forbes. I love Alfred's one of my favorite subscriptions uh, of reading stuff over in Forbes. So check that out. Okay, uh, he's got his YouTube channel as well. Uh, make sure you are constantly checking out Wrestling Inc. New news stories all around the clock. Sounds like we might have some Elias stuff to talk about. So we'll check that out. You can follow me at Justin Labar on Twitter. Uh, the next live uh, audio, video, anything I'll be doing is Friday morning on Busted Open Radio, channel 156 on Sirius XM. Myself and Mark Henry and Dave LaGreca. So that'll be a fun time. Uh, It's going to be a busy month. We got AEW full gear coming Saturday. As Alfred has noted, we got survivor series coming later this month. Lots going on. We appreciate it. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, leave a comment, do what you got to do. Tell a friend Alfred and I will be back next Wednesday, courtesy of manscaped. We appreciate it. Be safe. Be good. Good night.
0: This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on.